Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings have been around since 1961. And I just want them to win a damn Super Bowl before I die. Welcome to Before I Die with Judd and Jesse on Purple Daily and Score North. Just one, you guys. Just one before I die. That's all. We're not we're not greedy people here in the state of Minnesota. We're just asking humbly, passive-aggressively probably, for one damn Super Bowl. I'm Jesse Pierce, writer for NHL.com, hosting Before I Die on Score North with all of our fantastic Purple Daily content alongside our very own sports dad, Mr. Judd Zolgad, Mr. Positivity, generally speaking, right? That's how we that's how we know him. We love him. And over here, we got producer Ross. He's back in the hot seat. Uh, Ross, why do you love the Minnesota Vikings? Well, the pain lets me know I'm still alive, Judd and Jesse. Just so beautiful. We've had some time, you guys to recoup from the pain that was a 34-28 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles. Minnesota Vikings now 0-2, but this is what we wrote it up as, right? We This is exactly how it was designed the last time the Vikings were 0-2 and made the playoffs, 2008, led largely by Ross Judd, who? Gus Farratt. Gus Farratt, baby. Gus Farratt, baby. Until they benched him. Until they benched him, <laughs> yes. That's exactly I covered it. that team. Did you? I was covering yeah. that team. Yeah, oh, yeah, know. I was on the beat back then. Uh huh. When you two were just youngins, I was on the I was on the beat. That season Mm -hmm. basically ended with the uh, T Jack jump pass interception, right? To is that Asante Samuel who picked that off in the playoffs? Uh, Yeah, no, it was an out route, right? And Asante Samuel housed it, I thought, with a uh, he jumped the route. I thought. Now I'm getting old. I might have forgotten, but yeah, that that's the year that they were they lost to. I think they lost at home to the Dolphins, which was an upset loss. Then they were up fourteen nothing on the Colts and Peyton Manning, and they lost that game. And then in the press conference immediately on Monday, I think it was Brad Childers announced that they would be switching to Gus Farratt, who was actually very very solid until he fractured his transverse process in Detroit, allowing T Jack to get back in, and unfortunately. God rest his soul now that the late Tavares Jackson had his struggles after that. T-Jack. I'm just amazed by transferous process that you were able to get that out. 
trans. Trans. Okay. How many times did you write it that in an article? It's a bone in in your back, but it sounds like a band. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be the name of my pop punk band. I think when I form, it, it. sounds like a band. Like Definitely. like there, when when I was a kid, there was a band called the Manhattan Transfer, yes. and I always thought that the transverse process sounded like a great band name. But it's a bone in your back, and if it breaks, I think it's quite painful. Oof, my tailbone's mm-hmm. still not healing up nicely. So let's we'll just move on from poor backs. Kids, and it's your kids' pains. Fault. It's your the kids, kids are trying fault. to get you. The kids are trying to get you. You know what? The kids are aware of the life insurance policy. That's, That's... what I hear. That's probably it. You know, smart on them. Good on them. Since I mean, same way I'm banking on them to take care of me when I'm older. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're we don't need to worry about punch. this. We the don't need to worry husband, about you. The kids and husband didn't ask you to sign any new life insurance paperwork recently. I, sometimes they? I just sign paperwork. They, that's what they do. They they booze me up a little bit, and then I just sign away everything. It's so, <laughs> you know what happens? Yeah, well, so cyclones. Date line starts. Yeah. Cyclones. Cyclones lose. On a Saturday, mom's upset to start with. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure to be honest, Roscoe, that hubby's involved here. I think yeah. it's the kids. It's definitely the kids. Hudson, he's he's a charmer, that one. Caden comes in, he's like, but I love you. Just sign here, please, mommy. And I was like, yes. In and out. Yeah, already. Are they already forging your signature, too, in case oh, you probably. won't sign it? Then you're, then you're in it's trouble. It's an easy one. It's then a scribble. Uh, I am going to sign off on the Minnesota Vikings still being just one game out of first place in the North, courtesy of the Lions and Packers losing on Sunday, which brings us to the all-encompassing question that we've asked ourselves each and every uh, Sunday from here on out. What are the Vikings going to finish? How many wins? How many wins are they going to? And how many wins is it going to take to win the North if this is what we're dealing with already this season? Judd, start with you. So I was more... um apoplectic might be too strong i was more down on the vikings after thursday because you know the frustrating thing is they've beaten themselves twice now like these are games that that are uh, that i think it's very fair to say if they had played competent football like the eagles did not play a great game but after watching my favorite invention in the whole wide world the red zone on sunday the greatest invention of man uh, i don't care about anything else the red zone is the greatest invention and after watching that I'm a, it might take nine wins. It, it's not. Look, Detroit lost a game that Detroit at home should have, have won. And I've become convinced. My new hot take on Detroit is this. We're all enamored with them because they don't suck. So, like, we're like, oh, my God, the, the Lions don't suck. The Lions could win the division. The Lions are. But, I mean, it's still uh, – it's not like they are the steel curtain, right? So – the so Detroit is I think Detroit's okay, uh, but they don't beat Kansas City if Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones play in that Thursday night opener week one. Uh, the Packers completely blew it, and you know Jordan Love. It doesn't mean he sucks, but if you guys go back to 2008, which is Aaron Rodgers' first year inheriting the job from Brett Favre, you know that Packers team was not great, and, and Rodgers was developing but this is jordan love's first chance and the packers are decimated now i think on the offensive line i think nine or ten wins and just to be very clear i think the vikings are at worst case going to get to about seven or eight um but i think nine or ten wins could win this division which to me roscoe looks more and more every day like the american league central which is (laughs) somebody take it because that team don't want it well it's probably going to be to your point judd 
which teams can stay in the race long enough to maybe separate themselves in late November and December. I love what you said about the Lions because there is a big difference between don't suck and actually being good. And it's possible the Lions are just somewhere between an eight win and on the high end 10 win team that I believe the number is still probably 10. Somebody's likely to probably go four and two within the division, which then you start to do the math. You just got to win six games elsewhere. So it still feels like 10 and seven for me is the number to get to. The Bears will be an opportunity for teams in the division to win games. We've already (laughs) seen that already this season with Green Bay. And I just still, I'm having a tough time processing where the Vikings fall into this. And I'll be honest, where I even want them to fall into on this. There's a part of me that says it would just be a heck of a lot easier if the Vikings are 5-12 and or worse. But then when the division is very obtainable, if the Vikings win this upcoming weekend against the Chargers and they're 1-2 and and then they go on the road to take on Carolina, well, then you start thinking, well, suddenly they're back at 2-2 and and four weeks into the season, that might actually have them atop the NFC North, which to Judd's point looks a lot like the American League Central in baseball. So I actually really think, Judd and Jesse, I need to see what the Vikings do on Sunday against the Chargers before I make a decision on how I feel about the intentions of what this Minnesota Vikings team should do the final 14 games of the year. If they win, I guess I'm back on or back in on trying to win the division. If they lose at 0-3 at that point, again, what we talked about last week, you start doing the math, going to be tough to get to 9 or 10 wins. And at that point, again, I'm not saying intentionally lose, but you might want to start making it a little bit more difficult on your team to actually win games, if that makes any sense. And I think, Judd, you've talked about that before, right, Judd? If the players go out and win the game, great, but try and put them in a position where maybe they can't possibly win the game. And we'll see if we get to that point of the season. Do you guys think that the Detroit Lions are the NFL's version of Deion Sanders and the Colorado University of Colorado? Or CU, rather, Colorado University. How so? Everybody just loves them, but is it warranted, right? Like a double overtime win against your rival in-state. Like that's, I don't know. Well, I I think the Buffaloes have a lot more like cachet, though. Like like I think, like because it's college too, it's more of, of a production. I think the Lions are just, again, I think, it starts with the fans there. They're just like, oh, thank God we don't suck. I mean, keep in mind, they got off to a one and six start last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like this team is coming off two great years. And they started to win games when it didn't matter. And the Chiefs win was impressive, but the loss to Seattle was brutal. That's the other thing, too, that's so weird here and, and why I'm not defending the Vikings because they played two really bad games. But what's really weird is, and I was reminded of, of this in uh, in uh, seeing a ton of games as red zone spun around the league on Sunday, the league's not good. Like I keep yeah. saying this, Phil, Phil and I have gotten in debates cause he's like, it's parody. That's good. I said, no, it's just not good. There's a lot of just crappy teams. There's a lot of, and, and the other problem too, is this a lot of teams, the first month aren't prepared because they didn't yeah. play preseason games practices. And uh, I think we talked about this, last week my big contention is practices are what kill teams because they can't really practice now like you can't be in pads for x amount of days and then you can't hit more than x amount of days and so in watching a bunch of games on sunday it sort of a, it occurred to me again okay the vikings are playing really poorly 
but so are a lot of teams. Like the Bengals looked awful. Mm-hmm. Are they truly? I don't know. I don't think they're th- that bad, but there is just a lot of really, really bad football played. Judd, we brought this up last week, or specifically I wondering if maybe that was a part of the reason why the Vikings look so poor because nobody really played in the preseason. That's and right. I still don't know if I want the team playing in the preseason. I just wish it was more uniform. I wish the league all followed each other in what they were doing. But with what you said, Judd, I think it goes, for me, starts to switch back to, I think teams should maybe want to investigate at least knocking off a little bit of rust in preseason because you can get away with more. The downside to that, as everybody knows, is it just takes one hit in the wrong direction for some player season to be over. And I don't think teams want to potentially make that sacrifice But if the Vikings would have played a little bit in preseason, Judd, and I don't want to give them this out, but I think you can make an assumption maybe they would be 2-0 versus 0-2. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but they've just looked so out of sync. We might get into this later, but it's early. But they're on pace to turn the ball over an insane amount of times. And I think, again, some of that could have been kicked off with a little bit more um, knocking off some rust in preseason football and in live action. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, maybe if they had done preseason, they wouldn't be on pace for 59.5 turnovers (laughs) this season, currently averaging three and a half per game. The NFL record 56 by the 1965 Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It's not the losing. It's the way in which they are losing where it's sloppy play. It's things that should have been worked out by now it's things that that's why we have preseason right yes of course there is the concern especially you want to bubble wrap every single one of your top players and there certainly are guys that you don't need to see what they can do during the preseason but maybe work out some of these problems maybe worry a little bit more about how you're performing than just going out there and being like well we're just cutting cutting the numbers down the ball possession thing is is I don't care if you played in every preseason snap or or you you uh, showed up on September 10th. The ball possession thing is inexcusable. Like that is a fundamental thing of football. And you know, seven turnovers, three in the first game, uh, and then four fumbles in the second game, inexcusable. But to go back to the preseason point, you know, keep in mind the Chiefs played their guys like Patrick Mahomes played in the preseason and they have not looked great. I, I really think it's more practice. I think it's what you can't do in practice. And cause I don't know that the actual preseason games are key, but because they really can't go hard in practice. And the other thing about the Vikings is especially offensively personnel wise, they are definitely a different team. They're, you know, use far more two tight end, uh, and a running back set where last year they uh, deferred way more often to the Rams three receiver set. The Vikings are a personnel team, personnel wise, offensively built to be tough, but they're not a tough team. And that's my other problem. These lines, these lines are not tough. And look at Philadelphia, Philadelphia and like San Francisco, they want to kick your ass. Mm -hmm. They want you to leave beat up and they will beat you up. The Vikings are built like they want to, but they don't. And, and the scariest thing for me beyond the, uh, the uh, uh, fumbles against Philadelphia on on Thursday night was this those the, the two lines the offensive and defensive line were awful mm-hmm. like they were absolutely awful and that series on which Philadelphia ran 16 plays 13 runs and never had like a huge run but just you know death by paper cuts 
whatever the Vikings were doing, I don't, I don't get it one bit. I went back and charted that entire series just to see who was used when. And Harrison Phillips was basically a lot of times the only true down lineman throughout that series. And it, you know, three plays in, it was clear that Philadelphia was going to run the ball up mm-hmm. the middle consistently. So, like, these are the things uh, from a coaching standpoint, too, I don't get. But this team, in my opinion right now, is not tough. And teams like Philadelphia and in a few weeks, San Francisco will kick your butt if you're not tough. Well, not only that, you talk about the run game. DeAndre Swift had 175 yards and a touchdown. And they, I mean, we know Philly loves to punch it through. But so does Los Angeles, and so do the Carolina Panthers the next two games. So what is Brian Flores going to do with the pieces that he has? I mean, adjustments have to be coming, and I don't know what, though, because the past two weeks, what we have seen, it's just like, I don't know, can you get to the eight or nine clip mark for wins this year? With the way that they performed the past two weeks, I would suggest otherwise. Uh, When I look at the defense, Judd, the the first thing that I notice or the first thing that I think about besides the part where they're maybe just a tad bit soft, especially in the middle on the defensive line, I start to wonder what did Brian Flores see or what attracted him to this position? Was it truly painting with the blank canvas? Because somebody like Brian Flores wants to be a head coach again. Well, if this defense is a disaster or only slightly better than last year's defense, he won't be a head coach after this season. So did he maybe take this job with the understanding it's a two, three year rebuild on the defensive side? Because I don't know how you fix that soft part, specifically on the Chargers. I think that's what's terrifying about this game. If this game was on the road for the Minnesota Vikings, even though going to L.A. is not a super difficult place to play it's almost a home game for teams like the vikings when you still factor in the travel i would say the game probably favors the chargers i i give the vikings a a a decent reasonable chance to win on sunday and i think if they don't turn the ball over three to four times they probably should but yeah eckler keenan allen herbert those are just three of them i don't know how you scheme or game plan for that because somebody like eckler it's not just in the run game It's in the passing game, and I worry about the inexperience of the defensive backs, which actually largely held up decent against Philly. They were put in some bad positions. I think one thing we haven't spent a ton of time on is how good Brian Murphy Jr. has looked, but he's basically the exception at this point. Teams are going to pick on the Caleb Evans. They're going to pick on the younger guys. And by the way, insert old joke here. Lewis seen, have we seen him? He never plays. I mean, they get nothing out of their first and second round picks from last year. That, that can't happen. I mean, that just, you can't draft two guys in the first and second round that are supposed to be key cogs on a defense. You know, you were going to transition out of older players to younger players and you haven't gotten nothing out of them. Whatever is the next step up from nothing is what they've gotten out of these guys. And that can't happen either. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. 
I'd agree. I mean, one person that is working out well, though, Jordan Addison. Can we just do a round of applause? Can we call him our wide receiver, too, with the duo well, of him and, and J.J.? I mean, we can. I don't, yeah, God, exactly. I know. We That's can. what I'm saying. That's what can I'm saying. Like, please do well. that? Can we stop saying K.J.? I, and I feel bad. I liked K.J. Heading into camp, I was like, all right, K.J., let's prove it. I really I like you. I like what you could do. The past two weeks, I don't want him to come anywhere near a ball. Not that he has, because he fumbles it worse than my kids fumble their own dinner. But, like, it's brutal. Jordan Addison, however, I think has been absolutely tremendous, uh, has gotten his touchdowns, has gotten his runs. How happy are we that Addison and J.J. are going to be a dual threat for the Vikings, at least for the next couple of years to come? Well, Jordan from day day one to me, uh, including in training camp, looked like he had something special. Um, he makes it look seamless, if that makes sense. Like there's certain guys that just make their job look as simple as possible. I think he runs good routes. He obviously is is good. Um, yes, I would like to see him 100 uh, percent starting with the Chargers game, the number two guy. And you know what, KJ as a three, that's fine. He's a three. That's no problem. If you you didn't take Jordan Addison in the first round to have him just try to win that job. You took him because you thought he would, and I think he's proven in, enough now. But here's a scary thing that needs to also, on the flip side, get fixed offensively is the run game. I think they've run something like 26 times in two games. And I think against Philadelphia, it looked like play action still worked, Jesse. But at some point soon here, if they don't, if they can't actually run the ball, teams aren't going to bite. Linebackers aren't going to bite. They're just going to all stay back and be like, okay, run the ball. You know what? If Alex can get five or six yards, God bless him. But he, but we don't think he can get that. And it's not all his fault. The offensive line has been bad. So all of that being said, there are if they can't stop the run and they can't run, they're going to be toast. They're going to well, be absolute toast. But that's also effort in some ways and schematics. So, like, yes, it's concerning and yes, it's on film. But I, I expect and, you know, if KOC has to stop being the good cop, I'm fine with that. I expect that Chargers game to have a certain amount of intensity and and a certain um, amount of uh, desperation that a fire is lit under these guys because now is the time to light said fire. Almost any team, Judd, NFL, college football does this too. You hear this all the time. New coach comes in, new leader of a program comes in. One of the first things they say is we have to stop the run and we have to be able to run the football. Well, right now the Vikings can't do either of those. And then again, aside from the turnovers, another reason why you're 0-2. Look, we talked about it on this pod a few weeks back. Should the Vikings bring in Kareem Hunt? Should the Vikings bring in insert running back here? Well, I think at this point of the season, now as we record here on September 18th, if they were going to do that, they would have by now. And secondly to that, I think they believe the issues are more with the actual offensive line than the running backs, or maybe they would have made that move by now. And again, Judd, I don't know how that gets better when Garrett Bradbury, historically better run blocker than pass blocker, isn't playing. Darisaw might still be out for some time. Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram, what more do I need to say? I don't know how you're going to fix that on the fly. So are they going to have to manufacture things like more screen passes, even though those worked out so well against the Eagles last Thursday? Or are you doing end arounds? You're doing more plays where you're getting your wide receivers involved. I don't know how that gets fixed in a heartbeat. I just, I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, I think also in regards to the offensive line, are they looking outside of the building? Like, are they going to address this problem, right? We had talked about, I mean, the free agent market, not great. There's not, I think you got Ben Jones for center available, maybe Billy Price. Dalton Risner, didn't he come make a little visit? Didn't he say he'd come? Do you think, Judd, the Vikings will look to upgrade that position, namely because as we've pointed out numerous times on this podcast and across our Purple Daily channels, it is so bad. Like, I'll give credit to Kirk Cousins. I'm hard on him quite often, but the O-line is doing him absolutely negative three favors on making him look any better. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if they, uh, at some point in time here, claimed a guy like off a practice squad, but do I think that they're going to make uh, a move for a name that we all know? No. I don't. I don't. And it disturbs me. And I, I think there's as many questions right now from a standpoint of who's at fault here if, if we're going to start to dole out blame with Quasi Adolfo Mensa because, you know, as Ross said, his first two draft picks, and they're his, those first two draft picks, I, I mean, Scene and Booth have just been absolute busts. Ingram plays a ton, but he is a bust right now. Uh, so I don't have a lot of faith there. Uh, I do, however, think that my concern is this. Bradbury's got a bad back, and he's a center. Like, that's that's not conducive to returning soon. And, and uh, a Schlotman, Schlotman, he's just a backup. He is just a jag, just a guy. So I, I do have big concerns unless they think that they can scheme around it. And to what Ross was saying, I do think offensively you've got to get more creative. You've got to start to do things that throw – if you watch games, you know, a lot of teams will at least plant a seed of doubt with what they do from the personnel standpoint of formations and stuff. Vikings don't do that a ton. Uh, if I'm Kevin O'Connell against the Chargers, I think I'm getting creative just to provide a spark and to provide looks that teams have not seen. Um, so I, as far as going out though and actively like picking up a guy that they could plug in to start, no, I don't see it. I think at this point in time, there might be a better chance the Vikings are sellers as the deadline approaches than buyers. But the fact that the league is bad actually probably gives them cause for pause mm -hmm. on both things. They they might say what the Twins said, which is, we're going to give our guys a chance to prove that they actually care about the sport. Tackle Brian O'Neill, the only O-lineman to grade above a 65.5 on PFF's grading system, <laughs> 86.2 through two games. The rest Not of good. Them Awful. In fact, we had a fantastic comment from YouTube, Ross, that we could bring up to even further discuss and delve into how awful and atrocious this O-line is. Comments from YouTube. Jeff, you have become the segue master. Very, very well done. From, oh boy, I think I butchered the guy's name. I believe it was Jeremy Shock, which made me laugh because it made me think of Jeremy Shockey. 34-71, our offensive line hasn't been good in years. When is someone going to figure that out? So here's my thought, and there's a question wrapped up in here, so sit tight. Perhaps the weakest link, as we've talked about, Ed Ingram, 2022 draft pick, has a current grade of 49 out of 100 from PFF. Fair to say the Vikings have tried to fix the offensive line in recent years, Judd, but they've largely just failed. Again, Bradbury, first rounder. Ezra Cleveland, second rounder. Eddie, yeah. third rounder. You expect those guys to play and contribute. They're not always playing, and one could argue they're really not always contributing. So uh, across, I mean, to that point, and he's exactly right, the offensive line is high draft picks. So, yes, they've just whiffed 
miserably. Bradbury, you know, was no in no way, shape, or form was he a first round pick. The two guards, Cleveland's okay. Ingram at this point's a disaster. The tackles, are, the tackles are good, but but and this is a Spielman pick and uh, a Quasi pick. But you know what else hurts too? You've now used in what the last five or six years a first round pick on Garrett Bradbury, a center, which is not a first round position unless you get a guy that's going to immediately go to Canton, and a safety, which again is not a first round position unless you get a guy who's going to make a difference in year one, not who's going to be on the bench in year two. So it's also like the deterioration of draft picks and the decisions on on where to take guys. But yeah, they've tried. They have just, for the most part, other than the two tackles, failed miserably. Care to weigh in there, Jesse? I think Judd summed it up pretty well. He summed it up great. I just, it's so frustrating. Like, I just fix it. Like, fix the problem. Well, and and for years, Judd, you'll remember this. It's changed slightly in recent memory. But if you took any lineman in the first round, whether they were the first pick or the 25th pick, they almost always panned out to be seven to 10 year starters. For some reason, the Vikings have struggled in that category. Even when we thought they got it right, if you go back to Matt Khalil, it ended up being wrong. Yeah. He was great, <laughs> great for his first, first year. year. Yeah. And yeah. Well, barely to ever are, be heard from again. Tackles and especially left tackles are first round picks. But centers and guards, like you should be able to find them. And and I mean, the sad thing is to fail across the board. That's what gets me. Like if Cleveland was a Pro Bowl player, because he if he was, he he would solidify the line, right? Like the interior. Yeah. Like if one of those three, if Bradbury, Cleveland, or Ingram was like just a Pro Bowl guy that would kick your butt. Okay. The other two guys might not be great, but that one player helps a lot. Case in point, Steve Hutchinson. Steve Hutchinson, Hall of Fame guard, signed to a huge contract here. But guess what he did? That entire line improved because that guy was an SOB on game day and was fantastic at what he did. Um, and and that, that's the thing, too. Interior, interior linemen have to have a huge edge. Like, they have to be semi-crazy. And I don't know that the Vikings have – I mean, you got to love football. And you got to love the, the fact that, unfortunately, probably by the tender age of 55, you might not be walking because your yeah. knees are shot. Um, that's a hard life to live. I would personally not do it, but you know a lineman when you see one. One more for you both. This comes from Disc Golf Details 9889. Let Kirk walk. Draft Shadur Sanders. In case you two missed it, Colorado won their third national championship of the season this past Saturday. <laughs> Just ask uh, the mothership and all the other outlets. Sanders threw for another 348 yards and four TDs in Colorado's win over lowly Colorado State. Jesse and Judd, are you buying Shador Sanders as a top NFL prospect and somebody the Vikings should be looking to as the heir apparent at quarterback? Where does he rank in Dion's list of kids? Like, because Dion ranks his kids, so I'm wondering yeah. where he's on Dion. I love that quote. Line. Oh my god, wow. it's, so great. it's brilliant. Wanna- he's absolutely right. We want to know oh. about your kid rankings. Yeah, we what, want to know. Rank your yeah. kid, Jesse. I mean, the girls, will, the girl, will always be number one, as stubborn as she is. I mean, that's just how it goes. She's going to be the one to take care of me. The boys are not going to take care of me. Yeah, the girl right. will, and daughter yeah. will take yeah. care of me. So she is always number one. And then the boys flip flop. It depends on the day. It depends on the hour. Let's be honest. Like it's very clear. So 
I that's just it's you it's know facts. what the boys you don't rank your do, kids though? your line. Dion said it. I agree. Like, we all have the boys, the boys will listen when the sister calls up and says, "We got to move mom and dad this week. We got to yeah. move mom to a home." They one will, will. one will. I I bet both won't. And and, and the smart one moves. Yeah, the smart yeah, one moves a long right. ways away. Falls in yeah, love with his right. wife's family, never sees us, always is yeah. with her family. That's yeah. exactly what. Although, happens. although you have to be careful because because the problem with the girl is when she hits thirteen, she's not well, gonna yeah. like you. Thoughts no. and prayers, so, Jesse. And so, like, you better keep her close because because you know that's a tough age, and you two could have <laughs> a falling out, and now the son's got to move up that list. I know. We're gonna again it it's it's a rotating cast. It's a it's like a merry-go-round over here as far as who I like, who I don't I like. I love the fact day. you ranked them. Yeah. I mean, if we all do. Mentally, I'm like, you know, I don't like you right now. I love you. I just don't oh, like yeah. you right well, now. That's like your your spouse. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, I mean you don't always like your spouse. Kind of like a lot of people watching this podcast or listening to it. <laughs> they love us. They love the show, they don't like us. Yeah, or they love to hate the show. Are you it's buying or are you buying or selling on Shador? I'm buying. I mean, he looks he's 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 a lot of fun to watch. And I will give this. I think the the infatuation, if you will, with Colorado, it is kind of cool. I mean, Dion's doing his thing, and the thing about Dion Sanders, I think it is fun. You, he's he's very authentically him. This is what I was telling somebody. I'm like, he's obnoxious, sure, but he's never not been like that's how he was as a player. That's just exactly who he is. So. He hasn't changed at all, good, bad, or the other way. It's just he's Deion Sanders, and that's how he's going to behave, and that's how he's going to act. And whatever, you know, for however the record ends up going, and you're right, I think it gets exhausting hearing about, like, oh, they won another game, like, in double overtime where they were favored by, like, 24 Yeah, and they stormed the field, which is BS. Like, it's just a little sad, but at the same time, it's bringing some excitement to college football. It's bringing excitement in Boulder. I've been to Boulder. Fantastic place to go watch a football game go enjoy some college uh town stuff yeah all of all of the above all whatever you fancy for recreational activities in boulder it's a great place to do it um i would say though yeah i i i think he will be a top nfl prospect do i want the vikings to go out and get him i don't know but i mean maybe i'm buying i'm impressed and and he can sling it. He really can. And here's the thing right too. Windows. Here's the thing too. And I might be totally wrong because I I will always preface this by saying we don't know people like we don't know him as a person, but as a player and like what I see post game, I sort of like him. He seems to be a seems to be a little bit of a toned down uh, just a bit version yeah. of his dad. Um, he sort of has a quarterback demeanor that I like. Um, so I am buying there and and i do think that that this whole thing with the buffs is great fun i would say this enjoy it because i think dion is going to uh uh burn out eventually like it's not gonna like this is not a five-year thing mm-hmm. he's and, also and he, he's also older he's not three years yeah he's friends with Jerry tom Jones. brady tom brady yeah. said he wants to do a shador like it's i mean yeah. when you get the backing of the goat it's fun though it's fun. That. that Colorado State game on Saturday night was nasty, by the that way. Was, I don't know if you guys. I don't know how he, that uh, was a Blackman with the ugly hit along the sidelines. Yeah. To Hunter. To yeah. Hunter. I yeah. saw, uh, Hunter's great. I saw a comment on uh, Twitter replying to that game, and it just said Coach Prime versus Coach Crime. And I laughed pretty hard. 
<laughs> just because of oh, I don't, funny. I don't know if many of those plays were as dirty as people wanted to make them out to be, but Colorado State clearly came into that with a hey, we also play in this state too. And it seems like they must like their coach because you can tell they were really trying to make sure that Colorado couldn't put a number on them. The Blackman hit was brutal. Like that that was yeah. circa 1976. Totally nothing about it was yeah like there exactly. was not a darn no hockey hit yeah exactly we like one, hockey hit one follow-up for you to gophers fall to drake may in north carolina over the weekend i don't know sounds like judd watched it don't know if you watch much of it jesse will the vikings have may in april what are your thoughts wow. on drake may wearing purple or just drake may in general after watching him carve up the uh the seemingly what we all think is a pretty good go for football defense hit a couple of bad interceptions, but I would classify yeah. those interceptions as coachable Judd. I think you can coach those out of him. That first touchdown pass that he threw the, the safety got beat just a little bit, but mm. he still threw that thing on a dime one footed rolling to his right. There are quarterbacks in the NFL that can't make that pass. Third and 14. Um, he has what the scouts call arm talent, which I, I like a lot. The two picks did scare me because they were really uh, the, the, the one was, was really a stupid pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the size. I love the size. Uh, the reckless abandon would need to be, I would hope, reined in because I think in a, I think in a professional game he would get hurt. Uh, but I like the attributes. I did like what I saw. Um, I don't know that he belongs attached to Caleb Wil- Williams as closely, like it because you know to start the year it was. Caleb and Drake, Caleb and Drake. I think there's a pretty big gap there, but Drake may intrigues me. And um, if I was the Vikings, I would be, I would not be upset if he was put on my doorstep. No, I mean, he's got what uh, over 400 yards two in two straight games or something like that. Like he's kid can, kid can sling it. I like it. And I think I I do believe the Gophers defense to be pretty good. I don't know if by the end of the year it's going to be, you know, top 10, top 15 in the country, but I do believe they're a very functional defense. So it was it was impressive. Judd, I saw that first touchdown pass on Saturday. I went, yeah, this is all I need to know to know that the Gophers are going to have a really tough time. Did you turn it off? No, I kept it. Look, I I love the pain. It's same with Gopher football. I'll watch every second of every game. So, I turned the game off. It was awful. It was so bad. Like I couldn't. I. Uh, and what was uh, up with Ethan on Saturday? He couldn't hit an open receiver from five was, yards away. He was terrible on Saturday. He was absolutely <laughs> was awful. Brutal. That was bad. Yeah. And, no. and then allowing Cole Kramer to throw that one pass is one of the dumbest decisions in Minnesota sports <laughs> I've seen in the last five years. He's seen a lot of them. We have seen a lot of them. Hence why we have started this before I die podcast, because (laughs) we see the pain, we feel the pain, but it's okay. We are here to help you through that as is all score North's purple daily content. You can find new episodes each, every day, each and every week, including before I die every single Monday, wherever you listen or view your podcast. That's going to do it for us this week. You guys appreciate you checking us out, tuning in, drop your thoughts, see what's going on. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Uh, we need to do our before I dies because Ross was going to yell at me and I <laughs> didn't forget. I was going to not forget at all. Oh, now you're lying to me. The last time, the last time you didn't, this time you totally I did. did. I did. And the reason why I'm going to play the open here, but there's a reason why I have something near and dear to my heart that I need to get off of my chest. It's time now for the before I die crew to give us their <clears throat> before I dies. 
Can I just start? Yeah, you got to kick us off. Okay. That's why Uh, we're waiting. This message goes out to a certain uh, provider that is largely big in the state of Minnesota that provides uh, hot eats and cold treats. Bring the cherry dipped cone back. I, I don't... I don't care that we got rid of it because there's some cancerous element to it. Anything you eat at that place is terrible for you. Bring the cherry dipped cone back. The chocolate's boring. Butterscotch is a nice change of pace. We need the cherry dipped cone back, though. It's it's ludicrous that we're getting rid of it because of the dye that's in there. Have you looked at the nutrition facts of the other food? <laughs> Bring the cherry dipped cone back. Can you still get it's, to eat uh, dilly bars? And cherry. I'm actually not even aware of that, but I don't want that because I don't like the stick. The stick gives me the willies. If I touch that thing, oh, I boy. cringe. I Why? need the cherry. I just can't do it. Can't touch a popsicle stick. Can't touch a corn dog stick. Oh, I immediately, wait. I immediately gag when they test you for strep and they put that tongue to press. Oh, oh, but the stick's got the food on it, so the stick's not going like the stick. Is yeah, not, but you're you, not putting... if you touch it, I cringe. So this, there's so many things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them. Yeah, right I know. Now. There's I'm a lot of dirty gonna... things you could say there too. So I get it. But just, just bring the cherry dipped comb back. It's Dairy Queen. We're not going to Crispin Green. We're going to Dairy Queen. Bring the cherry dipped comb back. Unpopular opinion. I'm not a soft serve. I'm just covering fan. my mouth. Um. Yeah. Oh, you're not. Oh God, no. Give me like real ice cream. I don't. Oh, I I love real ice cream too. I yeah. I, I, I look. I'll eat ice cream when it's negative thirty, and I'll have soup when it's hundred and twenty. I yeah. I love them both. So do do you just like like normal ice cream more than soft serve, or do you actively not like soft serve? I actively don't like soft serve. I try to figure out like so. There's this very famous legendary, if you will, ice cream shop here in downtown White Bear Lake, and people just fawn over this place. Like they do line have a cherry around, dip cone, by the way. I bet they do. They lines do. around yeah. the corner. <clears throat> and I've always been like, it's fine. I don't really love it that much. I don't like it. And I finally, this summer, after years of going to this place, because it's the cool hangout when you were a kid, I was like, I don't like soft serve ice cream. I just don't like it at all. Like, not even a little bit. Not even covered in things. It's just kind of, yep, hard pass. So before so- I die... We will remove all soft serve ice cream from all places around the world. You don't need to remove it. And no. just, yeah, just for me life. to make it official, I went on this massive, massive rant, and I didn't even qualify <laughs> that, yes, before I die, that um, hot eats back. and cool treats place will bring the cherry dip comb First back. bring the treats of pizza back. Then I can worry about that it. That was also great. The right? treats like, of- oh, and can the s'mores blizzard just be year-round? It probably can be if you know. just tell them to put it in. How Judge? much this do you eat? <laughs> oh God! Look at me. Too much. You're not that big. Too much. <laughs> You're not that big, John. What do you got? You got any other complaints with said uh, food food chain in town? Oh, you know what? No. Here's mine because th- this has been a frequent topic, especially on our Score North Twin Show. But I will bring it here. Before I die, I want the Immaculate Grid to only be teams of guys that played. So so instead of like, you know, an Oriole that played for a Tiger, an Oriole that drove in 100 runs, an Oriole that won a gold glove, and nobody gives a crap about the gold glove. I don't care. I, I love baseball. I don't yeah. care. The gold, glove's, uh, the gold glove's crap. It's voted on by managers. It's won by guys who don't deserve it. Make your Immaculate Grid two things. Number one, make it all teams. So I'm matching team to team. Agreed. I don't want to match... 
I don't want to match players, you know, silver slugger, take your silver slugger and shove it. The other thing, the other thing I want is this. If you're going to have a special category, replace some of the crap that you currently do with guys who spent their entire career, I would say five to 10 or five or more years, probably 10 though, with one team. Like if you're going to get creative, so like a twin that played his entire career, 10 years or more as a twin, because at least then I've got a fighting chance, a silver slugger and gold glove. I honest to God do not care. So the immaculate grid, like today, again, in baseball, it had, um, I think an Orioles category and three teams and then everything else was specialized. Uh, No. The Immaculate Grid is all about testing who played for whom. And and same with a hockey grid and same with a football grid. Thousand-yard rushing seasons. Everyone and their father has a thousand-yard rushing season. And it is really fun to try and think of who is the obscure Minnesota twin that played yes. for both the Rays and twins. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's fun Marlott. stuff. Or oh. for, look at you, twins and Mariners. Uh, Dave Hollins. I think I'd go with Brett Boone. Okay. Fair. But I think a lot of people would remember that, yeah. right? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Wild and Blackhawks. Ryan Hartman. Yeah, it's a good one. See, this is way more fun than Kim Janssen. Guy who had yeah. No, Kim oh, Janssen. Wolf. Kim Janssen. Oh, Wolf. Well, Cam Barker? <laughs> Cam Barker. Cam Barker. Tablet. Oh, yeah. Nick Letty. Nick Letty. Oh, he's in the organization. No, he never played for the play. Wild, though. Yep, no. Uh, play. yep. Never played a game for the Wild. <laughs> yep. You got that wrong. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way. Oh. Uh, well, we're just smarter than the grid is what we are. That's all. That's all. That's You can awesome. hear our smartness again every single Monday here on Before I Die. Don't forget to check out the rest of our Purple Daily Show. Have some fun with us. Enjoy us. Like us. Because we're not going to stop. We're going to be here each and every week. So, Appreciate you checking us out. Appreciate you tuning in. Subscribe, rate, like, share, and uh, go Vikings against the Los Angeles Chargers at noon on Sunday. Jags uh, couldn't get it done in Duval County, but the Vikings will this weekend in Hennepin.